Before we jump into the message this evening, and I probably should have asked this ahead of time, uh, but Dan Prawl is with us this evening, and he had the opportunity, he gave a testimony Wednesday about the nursing home opening up and the opportunity to go uh, and to, to be there. Would you mind coming and giving us just a three-minute update, five-minute update, how it went this morning? We'd love to hear. my breath away. Uh, I can hardly breathe sometimes. Uh, I've never ever sang or read scriptures with a mask on. Never. And, um, but I kept telling the Lord all week long that if I could read scriptures and pray through a pane of glass, surely, surely I can <laughs> pray and read scriptures and sing songs through a mask. So we, I get the, uh, and I'm, I'm chopping at the bit, um, I got there probably 15 minutes before I was supposed to be there. But uh, we went in, and Stacy came, and uh, Susan Dawson, and uh, they uh, stepped right in the foyer with us, with me. And uh, there was a, a banister kind of thing there, and uh, there was a really uh, staunch, strict-looking lady, uh, an RN. <laughs> and uh, she was uh, no frills, <laughs> all business. Uh, sign here three times, uh, answer, you know, the 20 questions you're supposed to answer, and then stuck the Q-tip up both of my nostrils. And she told, because I had to be tested. I had to be tested for um, COVID. And uh, uh, I asked him at the beginning of the week, so uh, can they find out right there? She goes, and they said, yeah, they'll find out the, the results right there. So the, and this lady said, it'll take, it'll take 15 minutes. I said, I... I'll stay as long as you can want. doesn't matter to me. She came back probably in five, and I had to sign a bunch of other things. So uh, they said, okay, you're ready to go, put a mask on. I had my mask on and uh, had my podium, my Bible, and walked down the hallway that I've always walked down for I don't know how many years. And uh, I had to stop at a couple of rooms. <laughs> There's a lady named Dee. Um, I stopped, said hi to her. Uh, she even came down. Uh, she's a very nervous lady, can't sit very long. And so she, she came down. Uh, Judy and Helen stopped and talked to them and uh, went down. And uh, here's people already there. Uh, Dallas, um, uh, Kevin's uh, father-in-law, uh, already there. He's known me since I was a baby. And uh, he always reminds me that. And uh, uh, people, people were, bring, they were bringing people down. And so I kind of put myself over in the corner, facing the majority of the thing, and had a podium, which, by the way, the podium was uh, made by um, Bob Tufts. Uh, I asked Bob Tufts, oh, it's probably been maybe 20 years ago, because uh, I would break a podium about every um, <laughs> six months, it seemed like. I was rough on him. And so I went to Bob Tufts, and I said, can you make me a podium? that's uh, you know, gonna last. And he made me a podium that will last for another 100 years probably. And uh, so I was, I was thankful to take that. But a lot of people came down. There were several, there were several new people there. Nobody, I never even met them. Got to say hi to them. Of course, everybody's waving and hiing. Uh, uh, saying hi when they come down. And Stacy and uh, Susan are waving at them from outside the window. And, 
And um, <laughs> uh, people were coming down. There was a guy named Walter, saved man. I mean, I honestly, I believe that that man was already talking to the Lord Jesus Christ because I hadn't seen him for months. And I used to stop at his window real regularly and read scriptures. And so, and I could never find out where he was at. And lo and behold, here he comes down in a wheelchair. I said, Walter, you're, you're still on this earth. How can that be? <laughs> he, said, he, said, he said, I remember you used to stop at my window and read in the scriptures and prayer. He said, I really appreciate that. We had a great time. We sang songs. We sang a Christmas song. We sang about four or five different songs. And at the very end, I told them, I said, you know, I'm just dying to get a handshake from somebody, but I can't. I said, you know, you just, they're not going to let me touch you. And one of the ladies, Lynn, she's a resident there. She's saved lady. And she said, well, you could give us an, an elbow bump. And I'm thinking, you know, sometimes they get things, their rules a little bit messed up. So there was a nurse's aide clear in the back. I looked at her. I said, what do you think? Is that, is that going to be okay? Because I'm thinking, you know, I'm supposed to stay pretty much six feet away and all that. She goes, yep. And I've never had so many elbow bumps in my life. All right. When, tomorrow morning when I go to work and, go, and I'm going like this, I'm wondering what in the world this elbow's hurting for. Well, I just, it's just an amazing thing. And um, I, um, Susan went around to some people that couldn't come down uh, while I was uh, preaching or teaching and uh, uh, shared uh, John 3.16 with them on a, her sign that she had made. And then uh, when I got done, there was probably three or four guys that I knew weren't going to be able to come down. And so I went back around to their rooms and uh, read scriptures with them. And this guy named Steve, I really wish you'd pray for him. Steve, Texas, you, he's called Texas Steve because I have no idea what his last name is. But I know he's from Texas. And uh, I've been bantering around with him for a long time. And I almost had him coming down to church before the, uh, the uh, uh, flu or whatever thing. And uh, the Sunday that he said he was going to come down, he had to go to the hospital for a health problem. And so this Sunday, I went around and I knocked on his window. And I said, Steve, did you know we're having church service down there? Yeah, I said, I saw it on the schedule. <laughs> I said, well, are you going to come down to church? I was thinking about today, but I got lazy. I said, well, quit that. I said, Easter's in three Sundays. Three Sundays from day to day is Easter. I said, you have got to come down for Easter service. Will you, will you do that? And he, he thinks. He goes, yep. He goes, I'll come down Easter Sunday. I said, you want me to pray with you? Yep, I think I do. So we prayed. So prayed that he'll come down uh, Easter Sunday. The guy next to him, his name's Larry. There's a couple Bobs still. Just an amazing thing. And I really appreciate you guys praying and uh, and um, the ministry that's been there for a long time has been supported by this church for as long as we've been doing it. And uh, I just appreciate it. And the people there really appreciate it. Thank you so much. What, what a blessing. <laughs> Thank you for that update. Sorry I sprung that on. You didn't give me a heads up. But... <laughs> That was great. Thank you so much. That, uh, that is neat to hear. We've been praying for 
a year now that they'd be able to get back in. So praise the Lord for that. And, Thank you to all of you, to uh, Peter and Dan and Susan and Stacy and everyone who is involved in that ministry. Uh, the Lord is, is working there. I was, I was thinking as you were talking how, you know, a year and a half ago, the idea of an elbow bump would have made no sense to us. What do you think? <laughs> uh, praise, praise the Lord for that opportunity. That, that is neat, neat to hear. Well, I encourage you to join me this, morning, this evening in Romans 12. Romans 12. 9 to 18. And let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this evening we, we do rejoice. We rejoice at answered prayer. We rejoice in the opportunity for Dan to get back into the nursing home. The opportunity to share the gospel. I thank you for him and his faithfulness and the faithfulness of Susan and, and Peter and Stacy and so many who are involved in that ministry. I thank you for the faithfulness of, of people who are involved in ministries all over this church. And we may not always recognize them or, or, or see the uh, exciting results, and yet they're faithful. And yet we love one another and we serve one another. Thank you for what you are doing here at Altoona Regular Baptist Church. Thank you for this group of people that you have gathered together as your church. I pray that you would work through us. Pray specifically for this man, Steve, that we just heard about. Pray that he would come, that he would hear the gospel on Easter morning. And if he is not saved, that he would turn from his sins and turn to Jesus Christ. And may you be honored in all that is said and done this evening. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm a big Tar Heel fan, North Carolina Tar Heels. I grew up down in general Tar Heel country, growing up in South Carolina. I grew up five, about five hours from the campus of UNC. My uh, dad is from North Carolina, Goldsboro, North Carolina. His whole family is still there, uh, not far from the campus. And so my whole life, I watched UNC games. I was a big UNC fan. All my friends, however, we're Duke fans. And if you know anything about college basketball, you know that Duke and UNC are big rivals. In the state of Iowa, it's like Iowa State and Iowa. They just, they don't get along. It's like Iowa State and Iowa, except their campuses are only eight miles apart, which increases it that much more. Duke fans and North Carolina fans simply do not get along. One year, however, one of my friends, her name was Meredith Nanny, her and her dad, their whole family, they're big Duke fans. But someone gave them North Carolina tickets to go to a North Carolina game. And they could have just done nothing with it, but they invited me, a UNC fan, to go with them. And it was the greatest thing ever. I loved it. It was, 
it was, you know, I, one of the only times I've ever actually been to, to a UNC game, been on the campus, and the opportunity to go and to, to see and to watch, and it was awesome. It was unexpected for a Duke fan to go to a North Carolina game, to go onto North Carolina's campus, and to bring a North Carolina fan with them to be nice. It was unexpected, undeserved. So you come to Romans 12, 9 to 18. We see that that is the kind of love that we are called to as believers, to put aside our differences, to put aside our preferences, and to love one another. To love one another unconditionally. To love one another genuinely. As we come to this passage, let's not forget the context. We started a few months ago in January in the first two verses of chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We know that passage. The beginning of the year, we looked at that, and we saw that that before I can love others, I must first love God. Before I can love others well, I must first love God rightly. I must submit to Him. I must love Him. I must serve Him. And last month, we looked at the next several verses, in verses 3 to 8. Before I can love others well, I must see myself rightly. I must be humble. I must recognize that it's not all about me. And when I see myself rightly in relation to who God is and what he has done for me, then I am able to submit myself to God and to serve and to love others. So as you're working your way through Romans 12, first, love God. Secondly, see myself rightly, be humble. And then we come to this morning, this evening, love others well. Genuine love. Let love be without hypocrisy. This evening we're going to see that genuine, we're going to see genuine love defined and then genuine love displayed. The first thing we see in verses 9 to 13 is genuine love defined. Let love be without hypocrisy. If you have an ESV, an English Standard Version, it probably, probably, it does say, let love be genuine. Let there be no hypocrisy in it at all. Let love be without hypocrisy. Let it be genuine. What does love with hypocrisy look like? Well, hypocritical love would be conditional. I'll love you if. It would be selfish. I'll only love you because it's good for me. It would be reluctant. But what is genuine love? What is genuine love? That's what we see in verse, the end of verse 9 through verse 13. Genuine love defined. Let love be genuine. Next phrase there, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. The passage Todd read in 1 Corinthians 13, 
It's very similar to the passage that we see here this morning. In fact, you might recognize kind of that idea, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. 1 Corinthians 13.6 says, love, or it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love abhors what is evil. Love clings to what is good and true. The word abhor, let love be genuine. What does genuine look like? Genuine love look like? It abhors what is evil. It abhors, it, it hates, it has a strong aversion to. One of my favorite drinks is milk. I love milk. I can just, I can drink a big glass of milk anytime. One of the things I hate more than anything is sour milk. I love milk. I hate sour milk. It just grosses me out, just the thought of it. That's why I can't do cottage cheese. I just, no, it's not about. And, and my love for milk and my hate for, for sour milk causes me to sometimes be, be overly aggressive in my desire to avoid sour milk. So sometimes in the morning, Krista will be getting the kids breakfast ready and she'll pour their cereal and, and pour the milk and put the milk on the counter and then take the cereal to the kids. I can't stand that. When you're done with the milk, put it back in the fridge. What if you forget and it stays out there on the counter? And she'll, I'm just leaving it for two seconds. That's two seconds too long. <laughs> we can't risk it. I abhor sour milk and so I am aggressive against it. That's the idea here. I have a strong aversion to what is evil. You aggressively avoid it, maybe even too much so. You can't avoid evil too much, but in my illustration, avoiding sour milk too much so. I hate it so much. I take steps to aggressively fight against it. Abhor it. Don't just avoid it, abhor it, hate it, have a strong aversion for it, fight against it. Love abhors what is evil. It does not promote it. And it clings to what is good. It is glued to it. As fast as you run from evil, run to good. As much as you are pushing against evil, run to good, embrace it. That is what love does. Love fights evil and clings to what is good, promotes it. As you come to verse 10, verse 10 through 13 is actually one long sentence, several phrases describing what this genuine love looks like. It starts out with this, these short two sentences. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Then it gets into these long sentences with all these, these definite. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. What does genuine love look like? It looks like being kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Or put another way, being devoted to one another in brotherly love. What a great way to picture this love. Brotherly love, devoted to one another with brotherly love. We get that, right? We understand the picture of a family. Families are devoted to one another. 
I can be in, in the biggest disagreement with my brother, but if he needs me, I will drop everything and I will be there. I am devoted to him with a brotherly love. I care for him. There are things we may disagree on, but I will be there for him. He will be there for me. I am devoted to him with brotherly love. That is what genuine love looks like. Being devoted to one another in brotherly love. Have you ever thought about the church in that way? Have you ever thought about your brother or sister across the aisle from you? You should be devoted to him or to her with brotherly love. You might have a disagreement with them. You guys might have voted differently in a church business meeting. That doesn't mean they're your enemy. That just means you disagree on that one little issue. Care for them. They're your brother. They're your sister in Christ. Drop everything for them. And it goes on. It doesn't just stop there. What does that look like to be devoted to one another in brotherly love? Genuine love. Well, it's in honor, giving preference to one another. Seeking the good of others above the good of self. In honor, giving preference. Not in a bad attitude. Fine. You can have it. It's in honor, giving preference. I want you to have this. I want you to take this position. I want you to do that because I love you. I care for you. In honor. I think what we see here is it matters not just what we do. Love is not just about the actions that you take. It is the attitude behind it. It's how you do that. It doesn't say just give preference to one another, but a specific way, in honor. In honor, giving preference to one another. It's important, not just what you do, but how you do it. In honor, give preference to one another. It goes on, not lagging in diligence. Love is not lazy. Love is not reluctant. Love takes initiative. You see an issue, you see a problem, you, you, you jump on it. Not lagging. In diligence. We see that picture kind of go for Lagging in diligence would be more lazy or reluctant, lagging, but fervent in spirit, passionate, eager. Eager to step up, eager to take initiative. Anything that is worth doing is worth doing well. Now, when you see the word passionate, though, passions can often get out of control. If you've ever been to, to sports, you've probably seen someone who, who just is, is passionate. They're very passionate about the game, but their passions are out of control. This is a controlled passion. It's an eagerness. To do what is best. To take initiative. To meet needs. To love one another. And notice this. Serving the Lord. My love and my service of others is motivated by my love for the Lord. I don't do these things because it's good for me in the end. I don't do these things hoping to get something in return. That is hypocritical love. 
genuine love does these things in the service of the Lord. Because it is good for you, it is good for the Lord, it is good for the church. My love and my service of others is not motivated by love for self, but by love for the Lord. Rejoicing and hope. Rejoicing and hope. Joy that is motivated by hope. Patience and tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. They're all things that go into a definition of what is genuine love. I am able to genuinely love because I have hope. Therefore, I can rejoice in that hope as I serve you, as I love you. I am able to be patient in tribulation and to love you even when I don't feel like it because I believe that God is doing so. We saw that this morning, did we not? In John 15, God, who is pruning us, it might be painful, but I trust that it is good. Therefore, in my pain, I can still love you. My pain, my tribulation, is not an excuse for me to not love you. I can love you because I love you genuinely. I can continue steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, caring for one another with the resources that God has given us. This last one, given to hospitality. Given to strive after, to aspire to hospitality. A willingness to give not just of your resources, but of your home itself. To invite others in. We get this idea, we understand hospitality. But even back in this day in Romans, as Paul is writing the book of Romans, this would have carried the idea of much more than just having people over for a meal. It would have been very vitally important in a day without the, the prevalence of hotels where people didn't have the resources to go out and to rent out a room. You be willing to give of your homes and your resources and your life. It's the idea of hospitality goes against beyond just resources, but of your life itself. Be willing to give everything. To serve, to love one another. These verses, we see all a long definition of what genuine love is. Lots of pictures and examples. And what it comes down to is this, that love is not a substanceless emotion or a feeling. It is a fierce devotion that shows up in radical action. Love shows up in works.
But as you go on, verse 14 to 18, you see genuine love displayed. Genuine love displayed. Verses 9 to 13 is mostly dealing with, uh, as he's defining this, as he's talking about this, relationships in the church. As he moves to 14 to 18, he gets outside of that and just general love, love in general, loving those even outside of the church. This is what love looks like in the church. This is what love looks like in general. In four, verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Don't just tolerate persecution without retaliation, but retaliate in love. Bless them. Bless them. Unconditional love simply loves. Bless them. We say, how can we do that? How can I bless those who persecute me? Who would do that? Jesus Christ would do that. He did that for you. We sang that song this evening, How Deep Is Your Love? Which talks about Christ's death on the cross and how he loved us. And what did he say even on that cross? Father, forgive them. He doesn't curse them because he loves them, because he loves you, because he loves me. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. This is a verse that we're probably familiar with. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Again, because your love, your care, your coming alongside someone else is not tied to how you feel. Rejoicing with, some, with those who rejoice is not just to, to see life through rose-colored glasses. I'll rejoice with you, no matter what. Rejoice with those who rejoice is to see life through the cross of Christ. I can rejoice with you without jealousy. I can weep with you without judgment because of what Jesus Christ has done for me, because of who I am in him. I will rejoice with you. I will weep with you. This is not a fake rejoicing or a forced weeping. I've seen forced weeping in my kids come up <laughs> but the, the believer has a deeper joy in Christ that allows them to rejoice at God's goodness I can rejoice with you because in what you are going through I see the goodness of my God and I will rejoice at that you got a new car and I can't afford one, God is good. God did that for you and, and I don't feel like it right now, but God is good and I see his goodness in that and I can rejoice in that. That's how this rejoicing goes beyond what I feel. It's a choice to rejoice in who I know God to be. 
It's the same thing with weeping. I have a better understanding in Christ that allows me to mourn with those who mourn, to mourn at how things are and to long for how things should be. This allows the believer uniquely to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. This isn't based on how you feel. It's based on who you are in Christ and what God has done for you. It goes on. Be of the same mind toward one another. Harmonious. Be of the same mind. Think alike. Have the same mind. Think the same way toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. The idea is is people who are in high positions or people who are in low positions. Genuine love loves regardless of friend or foe, rich or poor, high status or low status. Don't love people because, because of who they are, because of what they have. Love people because of who you are in Christ. Do you notice something about this that keeps coming up? You love others. Because of who you are in Christ. It is your identity in Christ that allows you to love this way. Again, we see the idea of humility. Associate with the humble. Don't be wise in your own opinion. Don't be conceited. Don't be vain. It's another side of pride. But be humble and associate with the humble. To love others rightly, I must have a right view of myself. To serve others lovingly, I must have a right view of myself. I must be humble. These are some some pretty radical examples that, that Paul is giving us here. Those who persecute you, what does it look like to love them genuinely? It looks like blessing them. Those who are rejoicing when I don't feel like it, rejoice with them. Those who weep, weep with them. Think alike. Associate with the lowly. This is what genuine love looks like. It's not concerned about status. simply loves. 17. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Don't be so heavenly minded that you neglect your responsibilities here on earth. Again, this is in the idea of of associating with unbelievers. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men, those things which, which everyone universally recognizes as good things. Hard work, caring for your family. Be excellent at those things. 
Be excellent at those things. The idea, it, it kind of connects with verse 18, if, if it is possible. The idea here at the end of verse 17 is, if it is possible, make the gospel as appealing as much as possible. As much as possible, make the gospel appealing to the world. Do what you can. Take all the roadblocks out of the way. Do what you can. Now, there are things that you can't do. But as much as possible. The world values hard work. Be the hardest worker. The world values caring for your family. Care for your family. Do what you can do. Carries that idea forward. If it is possible. As much as depends on you. As much as depends on you. Live peaceably with all men. Do what you can. Do everything you can to pursue peace. It's not always possible. In fact, the gospel itself is an offense. But I must remove every offense possible. I want you to hear the gospel. And if that means... I have to wear a mask to go into a nursing home? I'm willing to wear a mask to go into a nursing home. If that means that, that whatever, I am willing to do that. I'm willing to take offenses away. Now, there are offenses that I cannot take away. There are things that I am not willing to do to share the gospel. But I want to remove every possible offense as much as depends on you. Live peaceably with all men. All men. Not just those that I agree with. Not just those that I like. Love does not seek out or revel in conflict, even on Facebook. Christians must have a thick skin and a tender heart. As much as possible, live peaceably with all men. And that starts here in the church. It applies to the world. We should try to live peaceably out there. But if we can't even live peaceably in here, how can we possibly live peaceably out there? If we can't live peaceably with those who are of the same mind with us, who have the same hope with us, who have the same spirit within them, if we can't get along in here, if we can't love one another, how are we going to love them? Live peaceably with one another so that you can live peaceably as much as possible out there. So in conclusion, this vision of love can be overwhelming as you look at this chapter, as you look at a, 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 a Sister passage in, in 1 Corinthians 13, it can be overwhelming. How can I possibly love in that way? How can I possibly do that? That is a great love. How can I do that? I have a hard time getting out of bed to get in church on time. How can I love someone and bless someone who persecutes me? This is not easy. We can sit here and we can say, yes, that's good, we should do that. But when it comes time for someone else to be given preference, it's hard to give them preference with honor, is it not? 
It's hard to love one another in this way, and yet we are called to it. How can I do this? It's the same thing that we saw this morning. Abide in Christ and watch him work in you. You want to do great things? Abide in Christ. You want to love others in great ways? Abide in Christ. And the fruit you bear will be his work in you. Abide in Christ and bear the fruit of genuine love. Abide in him, submit in him, and watch him work through you. So, by way of application, by way of application, as you look at this passage, genuine love, the need to love one another, this radical, genuine, selfless, unconditional love. First, be committed. Be committed. Set yourself up for success. This is something that I want to pursue, so how do I do it? Again, the same thing we saw this morning. Abide in Christ. How do I do that? Read the word and pray. Dive into your Bibles. Drink deeply of the truths of the gospel. Let it affect every area of your life and then watch the amazing things that God does in you. Pray. Notice the the role that prayer plays back in verse 12. Continuing steadfastly. How? In prayer. Read the word and pray. Prepare yourself. Be committed. Be committed. Set yourself up for success in this area. Secondly, take action. Start somewhere. Do something. You may look at this and it's overwhelming and man, I just like, how am I going to do this? Start somewhere. That's the way it is with everything in life, is it not? Comes time to clean that room that you've let go for a while. How do you do it? You start somewhere. Pick one thing up. Just do something. Just start. So as you see the need, as as we come to this passage, the need to love genuinely. How do I do this? Be committed and take action. Start somewhere. Do something. Be willing to give something up that you know that someone else in the church wants. Be willing to reach out to someone. Be willing to meet a need. Be willing to invite someone over. Even someone that you might not necessarily know that well or or love that much. Now, it doesn't mean if someone invites you over to church, over to your house after church, that they don't like you. But start somewhere. Invite someone over. Pray for someone. Log off Facebook. Do what you need to do to love people and to love them well. Do something. Take a step. Take action. And then finally, praise the Lord. Praise Him as you submit to Him, as you take action, and as you see God work, as you see Him change you, as you see Him mold you. Praise Him for that work in you. Because it is His work. How can we do this? We can't. It is God who will do it in us. So submit to Him. Abide in him and watch him work. Watch him work. Love one another genuinely. Love one another genuinely.
We're going to close this morning with the song number 476, I Surrender.